Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. All right, thank you, Marie, and thank you, everybody, for joining us on today's Living Your Dash podcast, the podcast that helps you to connect the dots of discipleship. And so, hey, Rick, we you have been taking us on this journey of the volunteer revolution, uh, and this is, this is the last of the series, isn't that right? It is. We wrapped it up Sunday. So remind us once again why this series is so important to you. Well, and it's not just, I think, important to me and Grace Community Church, but really churches uh, definitely across the United States and perhaps even around the world. Hmm. Post-COVID, churches had to basically, Sean, jumpstart all their ministries again. So many things had to be closed down, especially ministries that involved close contact with people. Right. And so post-COVID, churches are going, okay, we're ready to start ministries again, which means we need volunteers. Yeah. And so many of those volunteers, things have changed in life. Some of those great volunteers died and went to heaven. Some moved, (laughs) some retired, and some changed churches. So churches across America have been scrambling to not just to fill slots, you know what I mean? Not yeah. just to stick people in a slot to say, okay, we got a warm body, but to help people find their ministry and then fulfill that ministry uh, in the church. So my goal was to be a part, kind of get the jumper cables out and jumpstart ministry here at Grace. And then a, a second um, method to my madness, you know, <laughs> Hmm. is something that it always happens in churches, and that is generational leadership transition. Uh, generations who are serving get older, and, and that happens here at Grace. People who've been serving for our 25 years in existence, yeah. some of them are now transitioning out of leadership roles because yeah. of health, because of moving, that kind of thing. Which means more new people have to come in and take those leadership roles and those ministry roles. So my goal is to uh, jumpstart overall, but also to help some of the younger people to say, okay, it's time for me to step up and to get involved in ministry. Yeah, there's, there is that concurrent thing that has to happen, isn't it? I mean, those that are presently in ministry leadership. They have to be thinking, am I ready to pass the baton, in your in your words? Yeah, there is no success without a successor. Yeah. And so anyone in leadership must always be saying, uh, who's my successor? Yeah. Who am I training? Who am I equipping to lead this ministry or to fill the slot in the ministry where I now serve? Who am I equipping and training? So just finding a successor does not mean that that's a success. No. Yeah, yeah. So, it, and it, it really does mean that one has to be thinking, right, uh, that, that I have to get this ready to, to turn over, and someone has to say, I have to be ready to step in. Yeah, and it takes both sides. Yeah. And so my, the goal, I'm hoping to maybe jar some minds out there <laughs> 
um, with volunteer revolution that, hey, I need to be a part of this revolution. All right. And revolution means action. Yeah. Not just thinking, not just talking, but action. Yeah, yeah. So we just had class 301, and, and folks, if you haven't gone through our discovery classes, you can do that. Uh, uh, so we just had class 301, Discovering Ministry, and you're, you're going to learn more and more about that. You'll have to wait for the next evolution, but but keep on watching. And if you're in town, please come. If not, wow. I don't know, contact us, we'll help you, all right? But anyway, so this past Sunday, it was it really was kind of the capstone of the series where you strongly encouraged us to be a lifer. So we're, we're I mean, we're meant to assume that that means, that means becoming a lifer as a volunteer, um, as if that's, I don't know, unusual? I mean, is it really that unusual? What What's the preferred track of a volunteer as they grow older and more mature? Uh, and then what's more typical? Yeah, uh, great questions. And, you know, really, biblically speaking, being a lifer should be uh, a done deal. It should be uh, expected. It should yeah. be the normal course of a believer that, hey, if I, if I become <clears throat> a believer and a Christ follower, then I'm going to follow him to the finish line. Yeah. Which means I'm going to obey him to do what he says and one of the things he says to do is be a servant yeah and serve so every member is a minister so you're a member of my church there's a responsibility there's an obligation jesus even uses the word duty that four-letter mm-hmm. word mm-hmm. it's our duty to to serve so it should be expected but um we're all we're all frail human beings. We all have a selfish, uh, sinful nature that's yeah. pulling us in the other direction. So, uh, you know, you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned this about a preferred track. Because I, I think the preferred track is, re- decision number one, you have to say, I'm all in. As a believer in Christ, I am all in for the long haul. Right. Jesus, you can count on me, not just this week, this month, this year but to the very end. And then once you make that decision, to me the next logical decision is, okay, where do I serve? Where do I serve? It's Mm -hmm. not do I serve. No, no, that decision has already been made when you said yes to Jesus. That's right. So where do I serve? And this is where, boy, you brought up class 301. Sean, as you well know, one of the things we teach in class 301 is helping people find their shape for mm-hmm. ministry. And shape is an acrostic, S-H-A-P-E, S, spiritual gift. What are your spiritual gifts? Yeah. H is heart. What is your heart? What do you have a passion to do? A is your ability. What are your natural abilities that you were born with? And P is very important. What's your personality type? Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of dimensions that we get yeah. into that. And uh, then <clears throat> E is experiences. What experiences have you had in the past that could really equip you to serve in certain areas? Maybe good experiences, maybe bad, painful experiences. Right. God can use them all. But I, I think especially in our conversation here about personality, um, some people, a part of the personality profile that we do in 301 is are you a routine person or do you like variety? Mm-hmm. See, so I love routine. I'm a routine person. So give me a job that I do week after week after week, and that fills my bucket. Other people, 
their personality is they like variety. So they may want to serve in a particular area for a year and then try something new and then yeah. serve a year and then try something different. Say so they like variety or put them on a team that has different functions and then let them rotate on that team and do different things. Yeah. Uh, to me, uh, your, your word preferred track, if we can decide I'm all in, okay, God, where do I serve and how can I serve where it best fits my shape, yeah. especially my personality? Yeah. I think what, maybe what I was thinking about was, was like life, life rhythm or lifespan, life, life stage. Like, like I, I can see how a young person who's got very fit, you know, typically got very fit shoulders and back. They can do the heavy, they can literally do the heavy lifting. Oh, yeah. They can clean up tables. They can, they can kneel down with children. Um, they can uh, help take out the garbage. Uh, but as I get older, I may have learned certain skills and abilities and things like that. But my body begins, I can't, I can't do those things anymore. And suddenly it's, uh, it doesn't mean though that, let's say that I have to use a walker now. I'm on oxygen. Does that mean that I'm, I'm retired from ministry? I don't think so, right? No, absolutely not. And some people here at Grace have moved into that stage of life and they've said, Rick, you know, I want to continue to serve, but I can't do what I used to do. Uh-huh. And so we'll, we'll just visit. And like one, one person in particular, um, she said, I can write notes. I can still write. My, my handwriting is legible. <laughs> and so she writes um, thank you notes. She writes birthday, anniversary notes. Yeah. What a ministry. Yeah. And some people, Sean, they, they never get a birthday card. That's right. But they get one from this person. That's right. Uh, another lady, uh, remember, uh, she's in heaven now, mm. but she loved to hand out gospel tracts. <laughs> and she got so old, it was really difficult for her yeah. to... To do it in any, you know, like walking neighborhoods and things like that. So what she did, she carried them in her car. And so when she went to gas up her car, while she was gassing up her car, she would hand tracks to people around who were gassing up their car. Yeah. So you never say, oh, I'm, I'm too far gone. Yeah. You know, no. If you got a pulse, you got a ministry. That's right. That's right. And as I remember, if I'm thinking about the right person, I remember she gave a gift to the church to say, I want to buy more gospel booklets. Oh, yeah. When, anytime we ran out, anytime she ran out of gospel tracts, she would come in, make a financial contribution, said, okay, <laughs> buy me another hundred. And we were, we were the middleman. Yeah. Know? We ordered them for her. Yeah. She just loved doing that. No telling how many people she shared the gospel with, thousands, uh-huh. literally thousands of people over the years, because she did it for many, many years. Right. So basically, if you're if you're not dead, you're not done. Yeah, that's a great way of saying. Okay. Hey, I'm going to use that. Oh, okay. Hey, all right. Just give me proper credit. Okay? As I've always said, <laughs> if you're not dead, you're not done. I think it was anonymous that said, "Okay, uh, where am I?" Oh, yeah, yeah. You told us that the fundamental attitude that we should have is that of service, not serve us. Now, I think I know what you mean, but can you explain that a little more? Yeah, and this is really where we get to the theological heart and the theological meat of service Mm. and you know we we were looking at Galatians and Galatians is a powerful book in this area especially the last two chapters yeah because Paul really boils down that he says it boils down to a a decision who will you serve 
is there you have a sinful nature that says, hey, be about you, serve you. So it's about self-service, self-interest, self, self, self. Or you can you can walk according to the Spirit, but that is the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit will always lead you into serving other people. And we even mentioned Sunday, you know, in Galatians 5, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. What is yeah. the purpose of the fruit of the Spirit? You know, think about literal fruit <laughs> on a tree. It, is the fruit on the tree, does the tree eat the fruit? Of course not. <laughs> yeah. The tree produces the fruit for others to enjoy. Sean, you and I, we're, we're trees. The yeah. fruit of the Spirit in our life is not for us to consume. No, it's for others to consume. And how do we do that? When we serve, we show things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yeah. The fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. I, when I think about that Galatians passage, I, a couple things. So I'm wondering when Paul is writing, these are, these are all Gentiles, right? Or are they mostly Gentiles? Mostly Gentiles. Mostly Gentiles. So they're mostly Gentiles, and so they have not really grown up in a culture of serving other people for the good of the, the community. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that there weren't people that were community, weren't community-minded back then, but I'm just saying that I think that biblically speaking, when, when somebody does even just a cursory study of the Old, Old Testament, they're meant, God said, they're your brothers and sisters. You're to serve them. And so this, there's this brand new culture that I think Paul is bringing in. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, yeah, is there right. a change of culture? Yeah, people who have studied carefully studied the, the first century culture, uh, they have found that uh, a, a two things that may be virtuous to us today were not virtuous back then. One was humility. Hmm. Humility was really seen as weakness. Right. It was not... It was not valued. It was not admired. Hmm. Uh, so if somebody was humble, they saw them as uh, they're they're weak, and and uh, so Christianity more than even more than Judaism, Christianity really came in highly valued humility. Wow! From from the founder Jesus himself, yes. who valued humility. The other big one was serving, and that 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 culture did not value serving because yeah. when you look at the leaders of that day namely in the Roman Empire yeah. it was all about serve us yeah. so look at Herod uh, look at the Caesars uh, look at Pontius Pilate look at any of the of the, uh, the the Roman leaders of the day and tragically even when you look at the Sanhedrin and you look at the high priest Caiaphas, Annas Self-serving, yeah. Self-serving. The Sadducees were famous for being self-serving. It was all about us. We're in it for the money, for the power, for for the prestige. So, those things like humility and serving and caring about other people. When Jesus came on the scene promoting those virtues, that was a radical message. Yeah. Now we don't see it today because, frankly, the Judeo-Christian values of America have influenced us. And we yes. think, oh, these have always been around. No, no. That's not true. Jesus yeah. radically broke into a self-centered, self-serving culture and said, I'm here not to be served, 
but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. You know, I just this this thought came to mind. I mean, surely it must have happened where at Galatia or any particular you know first century church where there is a rich man, but he loves the Lord and he's been changed and he's serving in a very base way at the church in some way. And he's actually serving perhaps a slave who has no social status whatsoever. In fact, he will die a slave most likely. But here you have this, this topsy-turvy uh, exchange of the rich man who's serving the slave. And I think, what a, what a powerful picture that must have been to the world to yeah. see that kind of action. Yeah, and radical picture. Yes. Radical picture. It's like, we've never seen anything like this. And yet Jesus said, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, this is the way it works. Yeah. Uh, the first shall be last. Yeah. So get at the back of the line and serve people in front. And then you have people, what, what a funny conversation it must have been, you know? Like, Marcus, why, why are you serving the slave? He's yeah. my brother. Yeah. What do you mean he's your brother? He's a slave. No, he's my brother he's in Christ. My brother. Radical. And, yeah. Radical. And God loves him, and I'm no better than he. And that's what? why, yeah, and that's how, you know, historically, the, the seeds of the gospel, when they were planted in a culture where there, there was slavery, that yeah. eventually those seeds would grow and push slavery out. That's exactly what happened in America. Yeah. in the 1800s. Yeah. Finally, the, the seeds of the gospel that were planted in the culture and that the founding fathers actually planted in the, the, the Constitution and in the Declaration of, Appendant, of Independence, when you look at those, the seeds were planted there. It took a while to grow. Uh, and, the, and some of the founding fathers very intentionally said, okay, we're not in these documents, we're not eliminating slavery. We're planting the seeds that will eventually yeah. eliminate slavery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's almost, it's so beautiful the way the Lord Jesus just snuck these things in. Almost as if by accident. Of course, we know it was not. It was, it was powerful. It was powerful, powerful. This detonation of service through love. Or love through service. So, okay, boy, we got to move on. So you told us that the, the fundamental attitude then we should have... Uh, oh, I just asked that question. Sorry. So <laughs> is it possible, though, you know, in this area of service, is it possible to serve too much? I mean, how do we find that healthy, thriving zone? In other words, what's the difference, as you said, between a lifer and a volunteeraholic? <laughs> there, yeah, there is a, I invented that word. There is a, an unhealthy way of serving. And very often it maybe grows out of uh, insecurity in a person. Yeah. They want to get their strokes by serving so people will appreciate them and applaud them. And it, it can be, uh, some people, very well-meaning. Yeah, can fall into the trap of being a volunteeraholic, <clears throat> and so the, to me, the answer more than anything else is pace. Uh, find a good pace. I mentioned the contrast. It, Christianity, it is it's a long obedience in the same direction mm. as Eugene, Eugene Peterson mm-hmm. wrote about, and it's a marathon. FC it is a marathon, not a hundred yard dash. So yeah. marathon, hundred yard dash, you don't stop at the fifty yard line and get a drink. No, but on a marathon, you stop along the way at the rest areas, and you you have to rehydrate. Yeah. So learn learn to learn to see 
your Christian walk is a marathon. Um, l- learn to say, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, instead of saying and, learn to say or. See, a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to serve in children's ministry and student ministry and lead a small group and be a part of this and be on the worship team and run a camera and... <laughs> no, no. Learn to say, okay, I'm going to serve either in the nursery or in student ministry. Yeah. I'm going to either lead a small group or I'll run a camera. So learn to say or... And the other thing, Sean, that really helps, and we, we practice this at Grace, is give people breaks, uh, guilt-free breaks yeah. along the way, and give people the opportunity to try something new. Yeah. It's always hard when you're, when you're leading a ministry and you have a really good, dedicated disciple, and they say, hey, I need, Sean, I need a break. Oh, you don't want them to take a break. So you yeah. have to bite your tongue and say, yeah, you've served well. Yeah. Take a break. Take a break and get back with me, you know, later. Or yeah. if they say, hey, I want to do a different ministry. Okay, let me call the leader of that ministry and I'll hook you up with them and make that happen. I thought I wasn't supposed to lie, though. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> but that's, that's a part of leadership. It is, yeah. And see, healthy leaders do, do build in healthy breaks. And yeah. they realize and they keep they keep their finger on the pulse of their volunteers and they see, uh-oh, I've got a volunteer about to burn out. Yeah. So in the long run, see, marathon thinking, in the long run you give them breaks. Yeah. And you help them replenish. Because you know down the line, if you do that, they'll come back. So like with any particular addiction, okay, there can be an addiction to service. So when somebody tells you, you know what, I think you need to get some balance back in your life. Or, you know, so if somebody, other people are noticing it, there's probably a problem. So maybe it's time to talk with a friend, talk to a pastor and say, hey, so-and-so said uh, that I, I might be out of balance. What do you think? <laughs> it really, over the years, Sean, it shocked people when they, they'll come to Grace and they come from dysfunctional churches right. and they're just burned out. Yeah. And, you know, the joke around here is that when they come, they kind of smell like burned, you know, a little burned smell. Yeah, Because yeah. they've just been so burned. They're worn yeah. out. And they come in and say, okay, uh, you know, if I join your church, what do I have to do? And I tell them, sit mm-hmm. on the back row and just heal yeah, and and fill up and replenish. They can't believe it. They mm-hmm. can't believe that they don't have to immediately get signed up for a committee. Yeah. They're really shocked when I say, we don't have any committees. Yeah. Uh, we, don't, we have ministries, not committees. Yeah. Yeah. And then learn from what was happening. But then I think that the problem is not that we have too, we have too many volunteer-holics. The problem is the opposite, isn't it? So, uh, so I, I kind of think about that. But anyway, yeah. you quoted uh, Ralph W. Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson, by saying the great majority of men are bundles of beginnings. So remind us what you mean by that statement. Right. Easy to start a race, difficult to finish. Okay. And, you know, Sean, I've thought about this uh, I've, I've seen this, having the opportunity of planting two churches here uh-huh. in Roswell. Uh-huh. Um, in, in I've, I'd read about it, church planters talk about it, but the, the qu- famous quote is, you will not finish with the same people that you start with. Hmm. And that's really true. There are starters. So when we started, both churches that I've helped start, uh, 
people showed up, man, they, they came out of the woodwork. I went, where have you been? They, they love to start things and they love to start churches. They, they like it when you have to set up the chairs every week and tear them down every week and you don't have all the resources and you're kind of a tight serving community yeah. and people are really close together. Lots of wonderful energy. Yeah. Yeah. But then over time, <clears throat> all of a sudden you look around and you think, where are those people? Yeah. They're great starters, but they're not great finishers. Mm. Now, I'm not saying God can't use great starters, but wouldn't it be great if they were great finishers as well? Right. So I hope people don't do with church as they do with marriage. Sometimes, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. kind of mean. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, don't, don't, do, don't walk don't away from that. your marriage. Don't walk away from your church. <laughs> okay, so being a lifer, maybe I should edit that out. Being a yeah. lifer means that we need to discipline ourselves to serve, not just when it's convenient, but make the opportunity. Can you, that's what you said. So, can you expand on that one? Yeah, serving is seldom convenient. Mm. Sometimes it is. You know, sometimes you have something scheduled, planned. Okay, I'll be there at nine o'clock to serve. But very often, opportunities will happen on the way to nine o'clock. Uh huh. And mm-hmm. and very often they're not planned. They just show up. And it's sh- sometimes it's a very quick thing that you could take care of. Sometimes maybe it's a long term thing that you would like to pretend like you didn't see, yeah, and uh, you would like to walk away from, but God is saying, no, 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 you need to meet that need. And this is where, Sean, it really, serving requires discipline, and, and waking up in the morning, actually expecting God to use you that day, and that yeah. he will give you opportunity. So it's a, a very important but dangerous prayer to pray when you walk out the front door, God used me today, give me opportunities to serve. You give God an opening like that, he'll fill it. <laughs> he will give you opportunities yeah. to serve. So you can't just say it and then forget it. You have to keep your antennas up looking for opportunities. God, where can you use me today? You do that at the end of the day, you'll be able to look back and say, wow, God really answered that prayer. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that we don't plan. Right, well, that we, we still plan on doing the ministry that we're supposed to be doing that day, but it come we we have that, I guess, come expecting the unexpected. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and it'll happen. Okay. All right. Now, is is this what you meant by the statement that many opportunities to serve happen when we are on the way to something else? Yeah, where I really saw this early on in my ministry is studying the Gospels especially the Gospel of Mark, uh, with Jesus. Here he's, he's three-year public ministry. Many of his great, most memorable miracles happened while he was on the way somewhere else. Yeah. He was on his, his, and he was on his way <clears throat> to Nazareth, or he was on his way to Capernaum, and a man came up, or a woman came up, and had this need or that need. And Jesus just had a marvelous way of seeing those not as interruptions, but as opportunities to serve. And it's, it's just amazing how he would, he would stop. And, I mean, at times, Sean, huge crowds were following him. Yeah. So you have to get the picture. Here he is leading his 12 disciples, a lot, hundreds of people behind him. And all of a sudden, somebody meets him on the road. And everybody's going, what's going on? I yeah. thought we were going to Capernaum. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets 
sidetracked and he goes in the other direction and that people are going, what's going on? Yeah. That's Jesus. So learning to see interruptions as opportunities can truly change your life in a powerful way. And it will, it will lead you to be a true servant of God. And certainly the person that, that happens to be the quote-unquote interruption. Yeah. So How I'm about the, you know, a, a great example? The, remember the woman who had the issue of blood? Yeah, I was thinking the same person. So. She was an interruption. <laughs> an absolute, unplanned, unscheduled interruption. Oh. And what did Jesus do? Did he say, hey, whoever grabbed my robe, quit that. Yeah. No, he said, who touched my robe? I felt yeah. power go out of my body. Well, I mean, what an amazing, and he just stopped in his tracks yeah. to take care of that need. Yeah, wouldn't that be wonderful to, for that woman to hear, you are not an interruption. You are as God made you to be, and yeah. you are desirable to me, and and uh, yeah. we did something pretty cool today. Okay, so final question here. So your recommended resource, you've been recommending resources after every one of the messages so, in fact, I can find that uh, in the link. You can find it for the, the Amazon book list. But you chose, as the final one, Halftime by Bob Buford. So why was that important for you to choose? Yeah, when, when I started Grace Community Church 25 years ago, two books really, in many ways, from my perspective, gave birth to this church. One was The Purpose Driven Church by Rick Warren, and mm -hmm. he really showed me, oh, that's the kind of church I want to plant and to be a part of. And the second was a friend gave me halftime. And at halftime, Bob Buford was a, a very successful businessman. I think he made his millions, if I remember right, in, in uh, the cable, cable TV, yes, if I'm uh -huh. not mistaken. And very, very successful businessman. Had some tragedies in his life. Yeah. And, it, and it woke him up and caused him to think about spiritual things in a in a, at a new level, at a new depth. And he decided, <clears throat> you know, I've had a lot of success in my past. I want the rest of my life to make a significant difference. And so the subtitle to the book is Moving from Success to Significance. Hmm. I read that book and I thought, you know, I've had a lot of success in my past, uh, in schooling and in ministry. So the second half of my life, I'm 44 years old, mm -hmm. I, I want to make a significant difference in the lives of people. So I read that book and it just put me on a track of thinking differently, just thinking about not more success, but how can I make a significant impact in the lives of people wherever God has me planted. So I told people Sunday, man, if you're you know in your 50s, if you're retired or about to retire, you gotta read this book because it really will. You, you may have been thinking about, oh, I'm gonna buy a Winnebago and spend the rest of my life you know, traveling to lakes and fish. Well, <laughs> read this book. Yeah. Uh, you may you might buy the Winnebago and use it for short-term mission trips. Yeah. <laughs> it will change your perspective immensely. Yeah. Great yeah. book. You know, the, uh, he he had this quote, so I looked up the quote, a quote and 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 I know you got a quote coming too. Wait, is it a Buford quote? No, it is not. Okay, good. Then I don't mind sharing this. Where he's the one that said that a successful second half is not a change of jobs. It's a change of heart, a change in the way you view the world and order your life. And I think that that's a, 
It's, it's a powerful thing that happens when we're in our 40s. Uh, Absolutely. We, we do sense that, okay, I've kind of figured myself out now. I'm more comfortable with where I need to be. I still have a lot to learn, but I know one thing. I don't want to do it the way I did in the first half. Yeah. And Bob Buford will guide a person step by step in moving from success to significance. Yeah, you gave me the book, and it was, uh, it, we. I think we went through it as a staff. We did. We? We, our pastors went through it. Yeah. Together. Oh, man, I loved it. I loved it. it. It changed my life. Okay, so, well, Rick, as I just mentioned earlier, is uh, we've been doing the, the VR quote of the week. In fact, that's the music. Okay, so what is our VR quote of the week? Well, it's from uh, Coach John Wooden, one of my favorite oh. creators of quotes. Okay. He has great quotes. Yeah. But, you know, we're talking about serving in ministry, and some people say, well, you know, I can't, I can't sing like Sean, or I can't preach like Rick. God could never use me to do anything. Co- Coach Wooden said this, do not let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. Ooh, good one. Powerful message. That is great. So no excuses. No excuses. Yeah. Find out what God has equipped you to do and then do it. Get on it. Get on it. All right. Well, what else is going on here at Grace? Well, as you know, Sean, this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and we certainly, every day we need to be thankful for the people who have died in service to our nation. Amen. But yeah. we, especially this weekend, want to remember them to celebrate their life. And to remember, they gave the boy talking about service. Yeah, uh, talking about volunteering, uh, volunteered and ended up giving their life in service to our nation. So yeah. let's let's make sure we remember them. Also, Sean, we have a very special speaker at Grace this Sunday. Do you happen to know who this might be? I don't know. Well, you better remember because it's you. (laughs) It's me. (laughs) Tell us, what are you preaching on this Sunday? You know, okay, so the title of the message is For the Love of God Sing. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. What are you going to, what's the message? You know, I have to be careful and I'm going to talk about it Sunday, but you know, I, I, I've been leading, song leading ever since I was in high school, okay? And so, And it always kind of bugged me, you know, that I always wondered, why do people not want to sing? I mean, for the wonderful things that God has done for us, how can you stand there, arms crossed, and not sing? I don't get it. Are you mad at God? What's So I have to be careful not to use it as a bully pulpit, okay? Sure. So I recognize that. But I think, I think what we can do, though, is we can ask ourselves, is the human being, the person made in the image of God, are we body soul and spirit, our mind, our emotions, and our bodies, are we literally meant to resonate the praise of God in ways that nothing else in all creation can do? And I think that we, we, we do. And uh, we, we, it's not that we miss out on purpose. I mean, wouldn't it be terrible to use a hammer all your life to chop down trees and finally figure out, wait, they make a Chainsaw? What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to find out that you've missed the purpose of of your of your intended uh, creation, and uh, so I don't want people to do that. I, yeah. I, well, good. Preach on. Preach right. on. And I do. You know, Satan is the great deceiver, and it could it be that he has deceived, especially men, Ooh. that it's not manly to sing. Could yeah. that be one of the deceptions of Satan? And he robs people of this incredible joy. Thank you for for taking on that topic and uh, 
preach on. It'll thanks be a great, great Sunday. Right. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining us on today's Living Your Dash podcast. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.